This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. It's a new month, and so we begin, or return rather, to our monthly examination of the dreams of St. John Bosco. He, had, he was a mystic who had different kinds of visions than most of the mystics we think of these time, in these days. Often are a fad in our time, it seems to be, to look to the ancient prophets. We'll use little p prophets here. People who had mystical experiences and visions of the future of the church and usually bad things happening, or at least a period that we're probably living in now of a really bad period for the church, followed by essentially a, a church getting cleaned up and a new leadership and the rest. People usually look to them. But St. John Bosco was very different. His visions were more about and a more immediate concern for every single person breathing right now, and that is what comes at the end of your life. That is the immediate question. The four last things. His visions were more about the salvation of souls, because he was a pastor. And ultimately, we should spend at least as much time thinking on that question as we do about the state of the church today, the future of the church, mystical questions, my We Were Warned series, all of those things should be secondary to our concern about where we stand now before God, because at any moment we could find ourselves standing before the judgment throne of our blessed Lord. should be a sobering thought. Many people, I suspect, take for granted God's great mercy. And you should be able to rely on God's great mercy. But God also, his mercy is always tied to justice. And I think that is central to understanding St. John Bosco. And so now we present another vision of St. John Bosco. And really ruminate on this. Think about this on your way to Mass or home from Mass, if that's where you're listening to this. If you're a patron, you're listening to this several days in advance. Whenever you're hearing this, think about this for some time. And think about the lesson he's giving you here in this vision he has that's really a self-examination, which is unusual for most of his visions. Philoxera, a dream vision on murmuring and disobedience and the remedy to be applied. A warning, St. John Bosco. This dream was told by John Bosco at the end of a third retreat he held at Lanzo during the vac vacations of 1876 from the 1st to the 7th of October of that year. And it's recorded as follows. Don Bosco saw himself in an immense hall. Religious from various orders were gathered there in great numbers. Upon his arrival, all eyes were turned toward him, as though he had been expected. He saw, too, among the crowd a man in a very strange garb. His head was wrapped in a white kerchief, and his body was cloaked in a sort of white sheet. He inquired who that madcap could be, and he was told that that funny fellow was himself, Don Bosco the Dreamer. He advanced among the multitude of religious, who made a great smiling circle around him, without speaking a word. He looked around at them in great surprise, but all continued to look at him, laughing and in silence. Finally, he spoke himself. Why do you laugh at me so, he said. Are you having a joke at my expense? Not at all, some answered. We are only laughing because we know the motive that brought you here. How do you know that, since I am not certain of it myself? To be sure your laughing surprises me. The motive is that you have just given the retreat to your clerics at Lanzo. And what for that? Now you have come to find out what to tell them in your concluding address. Let it be so, then, and I beg you to oblige me. 
I want some good advice for them, which may help to prosper the congregation of St. Francis de Sales evermore. Can you give it to me? We will make only one suggestion. Tell your children to guard themselves against the Phylloxera. The Phylloxera? What has this to do with my congregation? If you manage to keep the Phylloxera from your congregation, it will have a long life and it will flourish and do much good to countless souls. I don't understand you. Don't you? The scourge of the Phylloxera has ruined many a religious order, and it is preventing many others from attaining to their noble ends. I beg your pardon, but your advice will be useless to me unless you explain it. I can make nothing of it. Then it wasn't worth your while to study so much theology. I hope I have done my duty at that, but I never came across a treatise which mentions the Phylloxera. Nevertheless, theology says much about the Phylloxera. What is the moral, moral and spiritual sense of this word? I fail to see even a distant hint at any spiritual application in the etymological root of the word. Since you can't read into the mystery, here comes one who will explain it to you. At this moment, Don Bosco perceived a certain movement in the crowd. A passage was being opened for someone. Presently, a newcomer appeared and advanced between the lines toward him. Don Bosco scanned his features, but he seemed a perfect stranger to him. Though his familiar manner was that of an old acquaintance, he at once addressed the stranger. You are welcome if you get me out of this tangle in which these gentlemen have placed me. They want me to believe that the Phylloxera is threatening destruction of religious houses, and they want me to take the Phylloxera as the subject matter of the last talk of the retreat. Does Don Bosco think himself a wise man, he replied, while he does not know these things. It is most certain that if you will fight the Phylloxera might and main and will get your children to do the same, your society will never fail to flourish. Do you know what the scourge of the Phylloxera is? I know it is a disease which attacks plants and trees and causes great harm. What do you think is the cause of the disease? An infinite multitude of tiny germs which set on a plant and take complete possession of it. How can you save the neighboring plants from this pest? This I don't know. Mind well what I am telling you. The phylloxera appears first on one plant or tree, and it is not long before the neighboring ones are attacked, even if they are at a certain distance. When the pest appears in a vineyard, orchard, or garden, it spreads very rapidly, and all the beauty and the hope of fruit is brought to naught. Do you know how it spreads? Not by contact, because the distance prevents it. Not by creeping from tree to tree, for this has been proved by experiment. It is the wind that carries the phylloxera from one unit to another and the, thus the whole hillside or the smiling plain is quickly laid waste. In like manner, the wind of murmuring or backbiting carries abroad the phylloxera of disobedience. Do you understand? Now I begin to understand. The harm this kind of phylloxera is doing when spread by such wind is beyond reckoning. It first cools mutual charity, even the most flourishing houses. The zeal for the salvation of souls burns low. Next, idleness is rampant. Finally, all religious virtues disappear, and public scandal makes it of what was first revered and admired an object of the reprobation of God and men. Neither is it necessary that an infected member should pass from one house to another for the pest to spread. The wind of tail-bearing is sufficient to do the fatal work. Believe me and be convinced, this was the cause of the downfall of certain religious orders. I recognize the truth of your words, but how can such a great misfortune be prevented? Half-measures won't help. Extreme remedies must be employed. Many means have been tried to exterminate the phylloxera, but in vain. Cutting down and burning is the only effective means. 
and thus must be done promptly at the very first appearance of any sign of it. The infected tree must be burned immediately with all that is around it in order to save the vineyard. If the whole vineyard is infected, then the whole of it must be brought to ashes for the sake of the neighboring vineyards. Therefore, when the phylloxera of the opposition to the will of the superiors, of proud negligent of the rule, of contempt for the duties of common life, make their appearance in a house, then you must not delay. Root up that house from its foundations. Turn away its members. Do not be overcome by a pernicious tolerance. As you deal with a house, so deal with any individual. At times, it may seem that if a member is isolated, he will be cured and will do good again. Or perhaps you would not like to expose him because of your great affection for him, or because of his high attainments and ability, which could enhance the good name of the congregation. Let no such reflections influence you. These persons hardly ever change habits. I will not say their conversion is impossible, but I maintain that it happens very seldom. So seldom, in fact, that it is possibility is no sufficient motive for a superior to adopt the more lenient course. Certain people, it may be objected, will do worse out in the world. That is their own concern. They will bear the consequences of their own pride, but your congregation will be safe from harm. What if by retaining them in the society, they could really be brought back to the good path by means of great patience? This is a vain supposition. It is better to dismiss a proud subject of this kind than to re retain him with a doubt that he might continue to sow cockle in the vineyard of the Lord. Keep this maxim well in mind. In case of need, put it firmly into practice. Make it a matter for special talks to your directors. Let this be the subject for your closing address of the retreat. I thank you very much for your kind advice. With the help of God, I will do best to carry it out. But please, now tell me who you are. Don't you know me anymore? Don't you remember how often we have met and talked together? While the stranger spoke thus to him, the bystander smiled. At this moment, the rising bell rang and Don Bosco woke up. Sobering advice, I think, from Don Bosco. And while we're not, most of us watching this video are not members of religious orders, I think that is actually sound but uncomfortable advice for most of us. Those who would tell us to be disobedient to the faith, to the deposit of the faith, those who would try to lead us astray in our daily lives, perhaps by telling us to embrace sins, to tell us that certain sins really aren't sins, that they, the church got it wrong, or, you know, it's been our wrong interpretation of what sacred scripture has said, or when these the prophets and the, the fathers of the church and the doctors of the church taught on this subject, well, here's what they really meant, we now know better. Think about how you can apply this in, in your daily life. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. And hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to share this on social media, that helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.